you know you have a powerful story? I'm Mary DeMuth, and in this podcast, I share stories of everyday people who remind you that you're not alone as you untangle your own story. Because of the outrageous generosity of God, I believe you can experience a joyful restory moment right now. Remember, the old is gone, the new awaits. The Restory Show starts now. The Restory Show, Season 4, Episode 14. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast, and it's brought to you by Jesus Every Day, which is my new book that came out. It's a devotional, 365 days, where you're going to read through Scripture all the way from Genesis to Revelation and then pray it back to the Lord. Very powerful, and I I pray it will change your life. Um, Also, this podcast is brought to you by Patreon which is where I have about 20 different people right now, I'd love to have a little bit more, who pledge $1 to $5 to $10 a month to help pay for the production of this podcast. So if you'd be interested in that, just go to marriedmeetcom forward slash 4-14 and you can see um, a little bit more about today's guest as well as support the show in a very uh, tangible and sweet way. I also send those who support me a free piece of art every month. So um, you have that to look forward to at the beginning of each month. I would also appreciate it if you write a review on iTunes. That would really bless the podcast. And if you want to share your own story, just go to marydemuth.com, click on the little microphone icon, and share your story up to four minutes, and we'll add it to an episode. Today, I am welcoming Rebecca Fussell to the Restory Show, and I met her in one of my mentoring intensives. My next intensive is going to be in February of 20. Uh, what is it? 18. Yes, 2018. And it's been such a blessing to do those intensives because I get to know and make new friends. So one of those new friends that I made was Rebecca. And she has an incredible story to share. I will not let the cat out of the bag about it. And here we go. Here's Rebecca. Hey, everyone. I'm so excited to have you here at the Restory Show. And I am very excited to introduce you to Rebecca Fussell today. She's got some amazing stories. And I met her also through one of my mentoring intensives, which was great. So Rebecca, thank you so much for coming on the Restory Show today. Thank you, Mary. I'm excited to be here. Thanks. Now give the listeners a little bit of your background, like where you grew up, how you met Christ, things like that. Well, I was born in Minnesota. And uh, I grew up in a very loving home with a wonderful Christian family. And I was been in church since I can even remember. And I accepted Christ when I was just a little girl. And I really loved him then. And I'm one of those that has the typical story. And nothing flashy happened to me in the world of sin. But I just fell in love with Jesus when I was a little girl. And I began loving him. And um I'm really thankful for that. I know a lot of people think that's a boring story to some extent, but I just thank God that I've been able to know him for so long. And when I was uh, 14, I remember I was at a missions conference and I, I just told God, not that I felt like I needed to be a missionary, but I just wanted him to know that I wanted to be whatever he wanted me to be. And I meant that. And ironically, it was that same year that I was diagnosed with juvenile diabetes. And it's really um, a time that I remember that God called my name. And I was so upset and so discouraged. I don't know if you know anything about diabetes, but it's a very complicated disease. And even though many people live with it, it's still, it's something that never goes away and it's constant. And there's a lot of complications that you can get from it, blah, blah, blah. But all of that to say, 
and back then that was like 30 something years ago. They, they know so much more about diabetes now, but at the time I just, I just believed that God could take it away from me. And I, I just begged him and I said, Lord, just, I know you can do this. You can, what a miracle this would be if you would take this away from me. And, and I can still remember sitting beside my kneeling beside my pink and white check bedspread, crying out to God. And it was like right there, I heard him just, it was like literally, he didn't literally do this, but like he grabbed my face and he said, Rebecca. And it was like, I could hear him say, like he knew me and said, Rebecca, my grace is sufficient for you. And obviously God did not take away my diabetes, but his grace is sufficient. And I I say all that, that's leading up to the real story that I want to tell. But I knew God. I mean, he was my friend. I'd heard him call my name. And and there were things even earlier in my childhood. I started reading my Bible when when I was very little. I just, I met with God every day and, and he was my friend and I loved him. And I'm just, I'm thankful for that history. I appreciate that he is a personal God who knows us. I think that's really important to share because so many people feel like, oh, well, I don't really have a good story to tell because I met Jesus young and there's nothing exciting to share. But that's actually very exciting. <laughs> and to know that you had that connection with him so early and he can he connected back with you in such a very real way is, is very encouraging. And so thank you for sharing that part of your story. I appreciate it. So go ahead and share the story that's uh, on your heart, because I know that uh, it is after the age of 15, I'm pretty sure. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I say all that to say that, I mean, I really, like me and God, were tight. <laughs> um, so I had prayed my whole life. All I ever wanted to be when I grew up was a wife and a mother. I just, I, that's all I wanted. And I, I wanted God to use me and I went to Bible college and, oh, by this time we had moved when I was 16, we moved to Florida and I went to Bible college because that's really all I could think to do. I thought, well, I'll just be a teacher until I meet whoever God has for me and then I'll have a house full of children and I'll marry a pastor or a preacher and we'll just give our lives to God. And so I ended up meeting a, an athlete, <laughs> which my, my family is very sports minded. So that didn't surprise me at all, but he, uh, he was a basketball coach and I'll just call him JP. That's not his real name, but I had prayed since I was a little girl that I would marry the right man. And I just knew that God would protect me. I mean, why wouldn't he, that he would want that. I, I took great pains to keep myself pure and just really sought God for his will. So I married this man and I loved him with all my heart. I, I was, I I was a little disappointed at first that he wasn't a preacher because that's what I thought that I would marry a preacher. But then I discovered that actually basketball coaches have a lot of relationships with young people that a youth pastor may never have. And so I, I began to realized that this was actually maybe even better because we had so many connections with kids and they were in our house, in our home a lot. And I just, I really loved being a coach's wife and pouring into these kids and well, (laughs) make a long story short, my husband basically went off the deep end and maybe actually he was always there. I, I began to discover things that 
were devastating to our home and our marriage. And um, eventually we ended up separating. And the whole time I kept thinking, I remember the very first night that it really dawned on me, this is really serious, Rebecca. And I remember it was probably the, the most difficult night I've ever experienced to date. I actually laid on my couch and I hurt so badly. I, I, I think for the first time I understood how Christ could die of a broken heart. And I, there was no scripture, there was no verse, no song, no thought that even made sense to me. All I could do was say, God, it hurts so bad. It hurts so bad. And and I think even more than my husband betraying me, I felt like God had betrayed me. And I think that was what was so difficult because I had I had done what was right. I had followed the rules, so to speak. And and actually that horrible night, I want to say it was the beginning, but I know God had been working in many days before then, but the beginning of a new beginning for me. And through that long process, I ended up moving in with the family and um, went to counseling. And God just began to show me, show me that he had things about me that about him that I did not understand and did not know. And I don't, I'm not trying to imply that God had to do all this disastrous stuff to make me see him in a new light. I I don't necessarily think that's true, but I do believe that God took a horrible situation and he redeemed it. And he began to show me some flaws in my thinking and began to show me who he really is. And through my counseling, which was a great (laughs) lifeline for me and many, many godly friends that God put into my life. And of course my family support. And I began to learn a new way of living. And, and I just, I'll just say this, the first time I ever went to the counselor, I, I remember I was so brokenhearted and I was just waiting for him to tell me what to do. And he said, well, Rebecca, I, I understand all that. He said, I just want to know something. He said, I'm wondering if you're willing to look at your issues. <laughs> I mean, I had just met this man. I And I said, well, I I don't know how to say that. I, I don't have any regrets. I, I feel like I've done everything I could as a wife. I I love my husband, but I, I don't really know. And he said, I, I understand all that. He said, but I just wonder, are you willing to look at your issues? And again, I looked back at him and I, I said, well, I, but I don't have any regrets. I, and finally, he asked me a third time. He said, I understand that, but I wonder, are you willing to look at your issues? And I just, I just stared at him and I said, you know what? I have no idea what you're talking about. But yes, I absolutely am. And I absolutely was. I didn't care what it took. I wanted to know God. I wanted to know what he had to tell me. I wanted my marriage to be saved. I was willing to do anything, to look at anything. And I think that was a turning point for me. And I'm just so thankful for a counselor who will tell you the truth and um, speak truth into my life. And so that was um, the beginning of what God started teaching me about himself. And what I realized, I was actually was teaching at a a Christian school at the time. And it was such a wonderful place. I learned so much about God from them. They taught us that we're all, of course, I knew a lot of these things, but I hadn't really personalized them, I guess. It was just that God loved me no matter what. And, And I know I heard that and I know I believe that, but I was so 
I was such a good girl and I tried so hard to please and I did please and I was good at it apparently. <laughs> and I, I thought that that meant that God loved me and that if I did write that God's favor would be on me. But what I was learning was that that's not necessarily true, that you can do everything right and life may not turn out right. And that that doesn't mean that God's mad at you or doesn't like you or that you did something wrong. And that was one of the things that I began learning. And then I also, I was at a teacher's conference and it was called Teaching Redemptively. And it was about, you know, unfortunately, so many ways we teach in school are all about behavior praise. You know, if you can crank the blank, then you, you get on the Dean's list and you, if you sit quiet, you get the bag of M&Ms and, you know, behaviorism really in a lot of ways. And it was teaching us not to teach that way, which is, you know, no way I could explain all that in, you know, five minutes on a, on a show, but it's really intriguing and just a wonderful philosophy of teaching. But through that, the man that was teaching, he was talking about the child in your class who seek so hard to please. And, you know, maybe they are good at something and maybe they can draw beautifully or, or write a great essay or, and, and they get praise for that. And that's not wrong, but then they think that's how they earn your love. And he was saying for us to watch out for that and, and to make sure that they understand that that's not why they're loved. And instantly I, I had a little girl in my mind and she's so darling and so innocent. And, tried so hard to please, but suddenly the face changed and it was me. And I knew that was God saying, Rebecca, that's not why I love you. You could sit on your couch and eat bonbons all day and I would still want to be with you. And I remember I just, I couldn't wait for the break. I thought that my heart was going to break right there in front of everyone. It just, I know that's not a new revelation and your listeners have heard that before, but for me, it was like a veil had been taken away and God was speaking to me. And I ran into the bathroom as soon as I could. I just locked myself in a stall and I began crying out to God and saying, God, no, no, there's got to be something I can do to earn your love. You're so good to me. You've done so much for me and I've got it. And it's every time the words would come out, I thought, Rebecca, that is so stupid. that you can do to possibly even come close to earning whatever it is that God, all that God's given to you. And it's, it's funny because I remember hearing one time, I don't remember exactly which radio show it was on, but it was on the radio actually. So I'm very thankful for radio. I heard a, a counselor saying that if we really understood how much God loved us, we would curl up in the fetal position and weep. And I found myself wanting to curl up and just rock back and forth like a little baby. And just, and it was like, finally, I, I, I just had to resign and say, God, I know there's nothing I can do. And, um, that's when it really began to hit me. I really am loved by God. And it doesn't, it's not because of what I do. It's because of who I am, because I'm made in his image and why, I don't know why he loves, but he does. And I could either at that point reject it or I could accept it. And I couldn't resist him any longer. It was like every time I would 
look up into his face what I imagined. It was like I would just see this darling smile on him and saying, Rebecca, honey, stop running. Just rest. Just rest in me. And from that day forward, honestly, I can say my roller coaster days of good days, bad days, oh yay, I did it okay. Oh no, today I didn't. Those roller coaster days, I just didn't have them anymore. And not to say that Oh, please don't misunderstand that everything. I just got it like instantly. I understood. I didn't. It, it's taken years to figure out how to live this life and, and to get rid of the, unfortunately, we're not taught that way, at least growing up. And I know the era is different now and it's we're better about it. But when I grew up, a lot of it was about how you performed and what you did and, so I, I'm just thankful. I, I, there's so much more about God I want to know, and I'm just thankful that He doesn't stop teaching us and that He's so merciful and gracious. I love that, and I, I think it's it's important. And I like what you said about running from God, and yet you were doing good things. <laughs> so we always think about running from God as some sort of terrible rebellion, but you can also run from God by being awesome. <laughs> so as long as we're not connecting to Him, that's running from Him. I want to go back a little bit prior to the counselor conversation and your school that was such a blessing to you. Tell us about the moment you figured out something was terribly wrong in your marriage. What what happened in your heart when that happened and what happened to you? It's funny because I, like I said, I had prayed since I was a little girl that I would marry the right man. And uh, I did love him very, very much. But I always had this doubt there was always something that I could never put my finger on. Something's not right. But I didn't know what it was. I I had tried my best in every way I knew at the time. Of course, hindsight's twenty twenty. But at the time, I had done everything I knew to, to try to understand or figure it out or make it better or whatever. But so it wasn't the first time that I had had suspicion that he had was being unfaithful or he was keeping secrets from me. But I think the moment that I understood, well, I was very, my emotions, just every emotion you, you can think of. I think I felt it in that 24 hour period from just in some ways, believe it or not, relief that I wasn't crazy in some ways, utter shock because I thought, he had just kissed me goodbye that morning every day. It was just a regular old Wednesday or Thursday. And um, I couldn't believe it was really happening. And I mean, instantly I thought, okay, God, my prayers are being answered. This is finally being exposed. You're going to take this and you're going to work a miracle from it. And we're going to be a miracle story. We're going to be on the radio <laughs> about how you redeemed our marriage and you brought wholeness to us and, and I went from that emotion to just utter anger and then to sheer desperation and immense hurt because he was very flippant about it, which just dug salt in a wound that was so deep. And um, so all of those different emotions and then not knowing what to do. I, I didn't know. I, again, nobody would have. Everybody loved us and me. They loved us as a couple. And so I didn't have anybody to tell. I didn't know. I didn't really understand what was happening. So I was trying to gather the information. And so for several days, I didn't tell anybody that I knew, except for my principal 
which I didn't even, that I worked for. I just hinted around to her and she was the one who actually connected me to the counselor. But so it was, just, it was exhausting. Mm. <laughs> Every emotion that I could think of. When was the moment you realized this is not going to be salvaged? I'm not going to be going on the radio with my story. <laughs> when did you realize that? Actually, again, God in his generous, sweet mercy, it was a very slow process. But along the way, he did help me to make steps that made the final separation, led me toward that final separation. I'll, I'll tell you this. I remember... One of the biggest steps I made finally was to separate. I, I had asked him, I loved him so much. And I knew that this is not healthy. This was not good for him. I mean, I think he would have probably been willing to just keep life as it was because apparently he had been doing this off and on for several years. So really, to him, it wasn't as big of a deal. <laughs> but for me, once I understood what was happening, I knew true love would not just sit by and allow it to happen because it was leading to destruction. And I remember I had this, like God gave me this picture in my mind and, and we were in the middle of a lake, uh, JP and me treading water, just trying to survive. And I just called out to God to help. And instantly I had this life preserver and it was keeping me afloat. And I was just begging JP, please call out to God. He will, he'll give you one. And, but he wouldn't, he just kept grabbing onto mine. And I, of course I wanted him to have it. I didn't want him to drown. And so we were in this lake treading water and it wasn't working. The life preserver wasn't enough for two people. And I saw this boat in my mind's eye, saw this boat coming along and I knew I had a choice. I could either stay in this sinking water with JP with one life jacket and we would both drown or I could get in the boat and be safe. And I just, I remember just pleading with God saying, but God, what's going to happen to JP? I can't leave him. If I leave him, he's going to die. And, you know, but I, I knew that at that point I, I couldn't make the decision for him. I could only do what God wanted me to do. And I knew that I needed to get in the boat and go to shore. And God really used that to help me to um, keep moving forward. And the whole time, I, I say all that to say, you asked me when, when did I know? I, even up to the day that we got divorced, I still believed that God would restore our marriage one day. And um, I really don't know when there were little discoveries along the way that, um, God showed me and, um, little bit. And I think because I couldn't take it all at once. And I think actually what really helped me were, were those word pictures that he would give me those pictures in my mind. And, and so my, my choice was to go to shore and it was hot and sandy and I didn't like it. And I wanted to go back the way life was, but I knew that I just needed to move forward. And, um, and I did. And God gave peace and strength. And I think also, I remember, I don't know if your, your listeners may know the story of uh, Saul and Samuel, when Saul made a horrible decision. And finally, God told Samuel, the prophet, that Saul was not going to be king anymore. And Samuel went home and he grieved and he grieved and he grieved. And finally, one day in, in Psalm, I mean, uh, Samuel 15, 
God said to Samuel, Samuel, get up, go anoint David king. And that story did so much for me. And it was like God said, Rebecca, get up and move on. And I just, I needed that. I needed God to say that to me. And I just thank him for his word and how it applies today. Even a story thousands of years ago, you can learn from. So I, I love that. And I think that's good about being able to let go of the past and move on to what is next for you. When you came to the place where you were faced with marriage again, were you afraid? Yes. <laughs> I was very afraid. God had done an amazing healing in my life. I began to see that, you know, to this day, there's still so many things that I don't understand. But I, I was so afraid because I thought I knew last time. <laughs> I, um, God did bring a wonderful man into my life. And I will say this, it wasn't until I was not looking for him. And he was not looking for me. And God had begun just, I began to love my life. I was very happy in my job. And I started, I was involved in a community theater, which has been my background. And I just was like loving everything that God was doing. I was in a great church. And I met this man, just bizarre story, unbelievable story. <laughs> and I was horrified, not horrified, terrified is the word because I was so afraid. Like, how did I know? How would I know? And I remember I had read this article with all like 20 things you should look for in a husband. And literally every one of those things I, I felt like was my husband, Ronnie. And I just, I remember asking him one day, I said, Ronnie, why should we get married? And without batting an eye or even taking a breath, he said, Rebecca, because we can do more for God together than we can apart. And I thought, well, that's a pretty good answer. <laughs> and I just am so grateful for the, for Ronnie. He, I can tell you, it's like night and day as far as my relationship and just the peace and the assurance and just feeling like I'm one with somebody. And I, I just thank God that he redeemed the years that the wild locusts had eaten and um, really let me see what marriage was supposed to be. And of course, our marriage is not perfect. And we, we struggle and we go through good times and bad times like any other. But at the end of the day, I am at, I'm one with him. And I, I'm just so thankful to God for that. So yes, I was I was terrified and it's truly a, a step of faith and I God just gave me a real strength, strong sense of peace and I'm thankful. Just our anniversary last week. Oh, happy anniversary. So what kind of advice would you give to someone who's facing an uncertain future with a with an unfaithful spouse? Like what kind of things did you learn? What kind of advice can you give? Well, that's a great question. First of all, I would just like to say to any anyone who is not married yet, I made a bad mistake, which I see that now. At the time, I didn't know. But I thought that if I loved him, that's what would matter, that I could just love him and love him and love him, and it would be okay. And I realized, and I would ask myself, do I love him? Yes, I do. But that was the wrong question. I should have been asked myself, do you want to be one with this man right now in his current state? Because I 
made the mistake of marrying JP for his potential. And I realized when Ronnie came along, I had no problem wanting to be one with him because in his current state, if he never changed a thing. And so I, I would say if, if there are any listeners who are not married, ask yourself, not do I love him, but do, can I be one with him? I think that's one thing that I learned But I would say that if you find yourself in that situation with an unfaithful spouse, first of all, do not ignore it. I I would highly recommend seeking out a counselor. And in a practical term, I mean, that, that was such a battle for me. I wanted so desperately to protect him. I didn't want anybody to know what was happening. And that's just really the wrong thing to do. And, and course, within discretion, you don't go blabbing out. I know you know that, but to find somebody that you can trust and confide in who is a godly person and who can lead you. But I also want to say one thing that my counselor really helped me because there are long days to walk ahead through, through those things because not, thankfully, not every situation ends in divorce. Sometimes God does bring healing. I have things that God has brought amazing healing to their lives. And so don't think that there's no hope for you. But I would say something my counselor really taught me, which is so helpful in the day-to-day of it all. And that is, if your listeners know the story of Mary and Martha when they were when Jesus was in their home, and Martha was the older sister and trying to be comforted about, is what the Bible says she was comforted about, trying to get everything ready and fix the food and be the good hostess, which is so typical what we want to do. And finally, she went to Jesus complaining about her sister, Mary, who was sitting at Jesus' feet, listening and learning from him. And she said, Lord, would you please tell my sister to get up and help? And and God said, Martha, Martha, you were covered about with so much, but I'm not going to tell Mary to get up. She has chosen the right the right thing. And my counselor used that story to show me, you can't fix everything. And that's what we so long to do. Well, what you got, what, what I need to do? What, what, what should my response be? How should I handle this? What should I? And those are all fine questions. But at the end of the day, if you find yourself in this state, don't try to fix it. Just sit at Jesus feet. And I know that sounds so simple, but to sit at his feet and learn from him, no matter what situation you're in, to ask him, Lord, what do you want me to learn about you from this? What do you want me to learn about me from this? And really seek him in that way. Don't seek the answer. Seek him and seek what he wants to teach you because he he loves you and he will take every single pain in your life and he will end up at the end of the day showing you amazing things about himself that you would never have been able to find without going deep in that pit where all the precious jewels are of himself. I love that. And I think it's super encouraging for anyone in any situation uh, to sit at his feet and to hear from him and find him in the midst of the mess. So as you look back on this year, the past 365 days, how has Jesus restoried you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, at this particular moment, pages are flying off of the press. <laughs> um, I wish that was literally true. But, uh, just figuratively speaking, I, I've just recently come through a really desert 
winter time in my in my soul the last several years. And so I, before that, I had such a full life and um, God was really seemed to be using me and blessing me. And it seemed like his hand was on me. And then one by one, these different responsibilities that I loved and felt like God was using began to fall away. And he removed them from my life, literally every single one. And I, I found myself for months with nothing. And, and actually, part of it was, I believe, I needed rest. And I didn't realize how exhausted I was. But I remember walking through um, up in Georgia and in the winter, and all the trees were so ugly and barren. And I just cried out to God and said, God, this is me. This is how I feel. I, I used to teach Bible lessons, and I couldn't even remember how to put one together. I mean, I just like, how can, I, how can you forget that? How do you not know? And, and what was worse is I didn't even want to. And I thought, something was terribly wrong with me, like God had taken his hand off me. And I remember walking this path and just literally tears streaming down my face, just feeling so dead. And I looked down and I saw this little green moss growing. It was like, again, he said, Rebecca, you're not dead, honey. Just be patient and just absorb this time. And I really tried to do that. And I realized on that walk that I could see farther with bare trees than I could when they were full lush. I could see things I had never seen before. And so I try to take that metaphor and apply it to my life and say, God, I just want to be small. I just want to be what you want me to be. I just want to rest. And, and again, it all goes back to the whole performance thing. It's so easy to fall back into that trap. And so once again, God stripped me away of everything to just be me and him. And not knowing if he would ever let me have any kind of public ministry again. Well, (laughs) um, this year, God has given me a ministry that I never in a million years would have dreamed. It's um, actually to single moms, which is really hilarious to me because I am not single and I am not a mom, which is a whole nother story. But God has opened this door and uh, we've spent the last several weeks, months, praying, planning, creating a foundation, gathering a team, and then trying to launch it. It's called uh, Me to We, and our hashtag is Don't Go It Alone. We are um, a community that's devoted to empowering, encouraging single moms and their children to be everything that God meant for them to be. And we just launched it last month, and God has really seemed to bless it just in the short few weeks, really, that it's that it started and it's really overwhelming and uh, I'm just so thankful to be a part of it. I, I just, um, it's such a huge need and you know, here in Jacksonville, 49% of the babies born are born to single mothers and that's just the babies that are born. That's not even the the single family homes that exist. And so it's like an unchurched and, and most of them are unchurched. And so it's like an unreached people group. And my heart just goes out to single moms because at the end of the day, my burden is for people to be everything that God meant for them to be. That's truly my mission state, my life mission statement. And so this is just me being able to be a part of 
helping these women and these children see that God loves them right where they are. They are not less than. He has a plan for them and he wants them to to flourish and to grow. And I'm just thankful to get to be a part to to share that message with them. And so that is where God that's what God is doing in my life, showing me that we have seasons and whatever season you're in, to embrace it and not to be afraid of it, that he who began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And that's a beautiful place to end today. Thank you so much for sharing your story, Rebecca. I so appreciate it. Yes. Well, thank you for listening. It was my privilege. The Restory Show is all about community. And I want you to have the opportunity to tell your amazing story. All you have to do is click the gray box on the upper right-hand side of marydemuth.com and it says, share your story. You have up to two minutes to tell us what's going on in your life and to share an encouraging story with the Restory Show listeners. And now let's listen to a new story. My name is Dee Cooper. I am 47 years old. My husband and I live in Jacksonville, Florida. This is my story. Childhood molestation, high school rape, sexual abuse, two abortions, and adult rape are a part of my past. As a result, I had low self-esteem, no self-worth, shame, guilt, anger, and unforgiveness. So many layers of brokenness, but God is faithful to heal, set free, and restore. My 15-year healing process began in 2000 with professional Christian counseling and a post-abortion Bible study. This led to attending and serving at several Christian women's retreats called Tristias. It was during those retreats when worship became a vital part of my healing. I was amazed because the more I gave my heart to God in worship, the more he mended it. I was blessed to have a loving church family who prayed for and with me. My pastor counseled me through most of the process and is still an important person in my life. During the post-abortion Bible study, I was encouraged to get my medical records from the clinic. This was not something I wanted to do because I was molested by the physician during my first post-abortion exam. Regardless of how painful, I needed to know the facts in order to heal. With this information, I was able to determine the approximate birth of my babies. I asked God to reveal their sex and prayed about names. Ten years after the Bible study, my sadness was finally replaced with peace during a balloon release to honor Daniel and Brianna. Every year since 2010, I invite other moms who have prematurely lost their children to join me in a group balloon release. I have held these events in a few cities and honored hundreds of babies. In 2015, I came face to face with the person who raped me in high school. Although I had already forgiven him, the encounter revealed hidden anger I needed to resolve. In previous years, I got the opportunity to confront a couple of the other men who abused me. All but one apologized, stating the rape was the best sex he ever had. I accepted his truth and forgave him too. Finally, my past was behind me and I was truly free. A month after that face-to-face encounter in 2015, I reconnected with a gentleman from high school. We went to dinner a couple times when he was in town and talked occasionally. In 2016, 
with the blessing of my pastor, I relocated to Palm Coast, Florida. My conversations with this gentleman became more frequent and we started dating. He exuded peace, laughed often, and was a pleasure to be around. We soon discovered our families knew each other because our fathers worked together for years. My dad was thrilled when Bernard asked for my hand in marriage and proposed Christmas Day. On April 8th, 2017, I married the most gentle, loving, caring, patient, kind, giving, Holy Spirit-led man. I am truly blessed, grateful, and happier than I have ever been. God has restored what was stolen from me at such a young age. I'm excited about our life together and fulfilling my God-given purpose. I pray my testimony has encouraged you. Thank you for listening. Love and blessings. Do you mind if I pray for you? Lord, I pray for those who are listening who are broken by relationships today, who have had to experience you because someone else let them down. And I pray, Lord, that instead of letting someone's hurt turn us into bitter folks and angry folks, would you just woo us to yourself? Help us to press into you during those times instead of blaming you, but just to realize that this is a broken world full of broken people who break people. And help us to learn that art of forgiveness so hard to do, but help us, Lord. And in the midst of our pain, we choose to trust you to walk us through. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for seeing us even in the dark times. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like some more information about today's show, head on over to marydemuth.com forward slash 4-14, season season four. We've had four seasons and, and this is the 14th one. And let's see. Oh, yes. May you live a brand new story this week.